In the late 80s and early 90s, there was a perfect storm that occurred between uh, family-friendly television and Friday night. It was on ABC. Does anybody remember TGIF? Oh man, thank goodness it's Friday. TGIF. TGIF was a, was a content block on ABC from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. every Friday night. And it launched some pretty awesome TV shows. In the early years, you might remember some of these guys. Webster. You remember uh, Perfect Strangers? Bauke Bartakamus or something. What is his name? Uh, you, uh, uh, Step by Step was on there. That was a spinoff show. We had Full House, which was very, very popular and continued in syndication for a long time. If you're a little bit younger, you might remember Boy Meets World. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. If you're younger than that, you're like, what are these shows? Are they on Hulu? Yes, yes, they're on Hulu. You can watch them still. I think a lot of them. But the undisputed king of TJIF was the show Family Matters. Does anybody remember Family Matters? It was a great show. Uh, here's a picture of the Family Matters people. Uh, you know, the Winslow family. You got Carl Winslow. He's the cop. They're in Chicago. The star of that show, Steve Urkel, that's my man up front right here. Now, Steve, interesting fact, Steve wasn't supposed to be a regular character on the show. They cast him just to be a, like a funny, comical relief on one episode, and the audience just exploded with reaction. We're like, we love this guy. And so the writers were like, we got to write in some more Steve Urkel. And so Steve, Steve Urkel is this like uber nerd character. He was able to do all kinds of stuff academically, but he was a klutz, and he just couldn't get anything right. Uh, he, was, uh, he was in love, head over heels in love with Laura. Lara, my pet. And Lara was like the, the girl in the Winslow family. And they was the, he was the next door neighbor. And they constantly were going, go home, Steve. Go home. Because he would always just be at their house. Um, he had a catchphrase that he used after he made a mess of everything. Because that was his thing. Does anybody remember what he would say? What did he say? Did I do that? Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's Steve. Got any cheese? Uh, Steve became a cultural icon. And the poor guy uh, has a hard time finding work now. Because he's still... <laughs> He's still just Steve Urkel to everybody. Actually, he's a great actor. Um, viewers love Steve Urkel. The thing I love about Family Matters, the TV show, is that this family was a hot mess. But at the end of the day, they worked it out. They loved each other. They, even Steve. Even Steve. They loved Steve. They, had, they lived with Grandma. They lived with, uh, with the aunt and the cousin. And it was a picture of what an all-American family can be, even in the midst of our brokenness. And uh, Okay, so some of you have never seen the show. You could care less. Um, I've, been, I've been watching it with my kids for about the last year, year and a half. On, I think it's on Hulu. And, uh, and it's a good show. It's been cool to catch up with that. So you can do that. But I will tell you this. This teaching series will not be based on the TV show. I probably won't even mention Steve Urkel again. Uh, it might make you sad. Maybe I will, just to make you happy. I don't know. Um, but I had to bring it up because we're talking about family matters. That's the name of this teaching series. And when I hear the phrase family matters, the first thing I think of is this TV show. And, and the reason that I bring it up and the reason that we're even using this title for the teaching series is because the beautiful double meaning of the phrase family matters. Think about it. Maybe you've already done that before. Family matters. If you emphasize family, family matters. Like family is important. Simple enough. But then there's the idea of family matters. Like the things we have to put up with, the incidents we get into, you know, these situations that we go through. And so the TV show dealt with a lot of family matters, like a lot of very serious issues and a lot of silly issues. And over the 
teaching series that we're going to be doing, my goal is that we handle both. We, we, we emphasize the fact that to God, family matters. It's important to him. But also, there's some issues we've got to talk about. There's some things we've got to work through. And if we do this right, it'll hit us in a couple different ways. Uh, number one, I hope that I hope that we achieve this. And I, as a you know, public speaker and a preacher and a pastor, like you, try to, you want to kind of avoid some, some of this kind of stuff. But then, in reality, it's good for you. And this is the first thing I hope we to achieve is that, that we all get a little bit uncomfortable. That we all get to a place where we're like, okay, I need to work on something. Because if we leave a series about family and we're like, I'm good, then it's like, I mean, we should all just join your family and you can teach us all. Because isn't family a mess? But the other thing that I hope will happen, the more important thing, is I hope that we'll have stronger families. We'll have stronger families because we're going to be focusing them on the Creator, on our Savior, and see what the Bible has to teach us about the different parts of our family. So today, as we shift gears and get into the Bible, I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab your Bible. We're going to always go to God's Word uh, for some of His most important truths. I've got Bibles available for you here at the back. I've got them available. Our host team put them there. I had nothing to do with it. They're back there by the door. Grab a Bible if you need one. If you need one to keep, it's yours to have. Just take it home with you. Uh, look it up on your phone too. I want to encourage you to take notes uh, through this series because my guess is you're part of some sort of family unit. And every time I say family, I want you to understand, I get it and everyone else gets it, that family doesn't always look the same, okay? It's not always mom, dad, two kids, and, and white picket fence, right? It's a lot of different things. It might be, for you, it might be your roommate and your dog, or just your dog, or it might mean, it mean your neighbor, it might mean your distant relatives, it might mean your grandma who uh, totally gets on your nerves, it might mean that you came through foster care or adoption, it might mean a lot of different things, you've got a blended family in some way, or you've got steps and halves and, right, that's family, and God's all for that. We see it all throughout scripture, and so it's cool. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians today, so if you want to go ahead and kind of get close to there, um, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul writes explicitly about family. We're actually not going to look at that today. We're going to start all the way in chapter 1 because there's some formative stuff there that's going to get us going. And our big idea as we get into family, like there's a lot of topics we can talk about when it comes to family, but today's kind of focus idea is identity identity because here's the reality family is about a unit of people working together living life together doing life together whatever but each one of those individuals has an identity like they see themselves a certain way they interact with the world a certain way and i think before we can even get into how do we put those pieces together each one of us at least those of us listening and trying have to work on our own identity and get that worked out and see what that means and, and see what God says about it. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to jump in. Let me just give you a little background. Ephesians was a letter written to uh, the church at Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. Today, the church in Ephesus was a hot mess. I mean, these guys were uh, pagan. They were doing all kinds of immoral things. Some of their main religion involved just obscene sexual things that were involved in their faith. Like, I mean, so I'm just painting a picture of, like, imagine Las Vegas, but, like, it's your faith system too, and it's, it's a mess, okay? This is the context into which Paul is writing uh, to the people in Ephesus, and as he gets them going in chapter 1, he wants to let them know, when it comes to who you are and how you see yourself and what your identity is, God has a plan for that. Ephesians chapter 1. Um, last thing, I'll tell you this. We're going to read 11 verses, okay? We're going to read 11 verses in English. This passage was originally written in Greek. Paul wrote in Greek when he wrote to the people in Ephesus. In Greek, the 11 verses we're about to read is one sentence. 
And so it's like Paul's so excited about what he's talking about that he's like a three-year-old who just can't breathe. And so he's just talking, 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 talking. And you'll see like how it all rolls together. I think, I think it's really neat how it only presents itself as one sentence. But here we go. Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 3. And we're going to read through verse 14 with no stops. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, Christ, before the creation of the world, to be blameless and holy in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, in Christ, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, in Christ, we were also chosen. We've been predestined according to the plan of him who, is, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Whew, that was all one sentence. <laughs> one sentence in, in the original Greek. Now, there's so much goodness in this passage. And I have taught on this passage a couple times in the past. Uh, but, but this time as I got through it, the first thing that jumped out at me is like in the very first sentences, a couple of family words are used. I've never really taught this in context of how it affects our family. And so at the very beginning, we're told that God is our father. That's a family word. And that we've been adopted as his sons. And I implement, I, you know, I added, or daughters, you know. So this, there's a family dynamic going on in this passage, I want to talk about what it means for us to find our identity in the context of what Paul just wrote, because there's a lot there, and how our identity relates to family matters, and how we deal with stuff at home. Um, the bigger point I see in this message is the number of times, and I want you to do this as a discipline this week. If you're looking for something to read in your Bibles this week, go back, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14, and get you a pen and your Bible. And I want you to underline every time it says either the phrase in Christ or in him. I think if I counted right, nine different times in this one sentence, very long sentence, the phrase in Christ or in him, which is referring to Christ, occurs. And you can go back and look at it right now because each one of those is actually pretty powerful. And I think the reason that is, is because as God is kind of outlining, or, or as Paul is, is giving God's heart here on this, he's saying, listen, all of who you are comes out of the context of you being in Christ. Like a lot of things define us, a lot of things shape us, but what, what happens when we come to the knowledge of who Jesus is, is that that becomes the filter that everything else can grow out of. In Christ, in him. Last week uh, was Halloween. It was a lot of fun. Did anybody involve yourself in Halloween at all? You got kids. You went trick-or-treat with somebody. You were at the uh, trunk-or-treat. Anybody? Nobody? Okay, there you are. Uh, now, there's a cool moment that happens with kids. Uh, and maybe they come to your door or you're at the trunk-or-treat. And there's this, like, obligatory, obligatory grown-up thing we have to do. We get on their level and we're like, now, who are you supposed to be? 
which isn't that super demeaning. They're like, can't you tell? I am Iron Man. You know, it's like, I, you can't tell who I am, but we do that. Who are you supposed to be? Because it's fun to guess what the, uh, we had one person come by our trunk at the trunk or tree, and this girl was wearing like, a, she was Elsa dressed as a pirate. It was so cool. And I'm like, yeah, I see that. I didn't see it. I mean, it was good. And her mom was like, yeah, she, I don't know. She picked that out. She was like four. Uh, my niece is three years old. Her name's Ellie. Uh, and Ellie is, uh, I call her Eleanor because uh, her name's not Eleanor, but I'm her uncle and I can make, I can annoy her how I want to. So I choose to call her Eleanor. But anyway, El- Ellie was so excited about Halloween and um, she dressed up as Violet Incredible. I got a picture over here. There she is. Look at her. Cute as a little button. Our button's cute? I don't know, but she is. Uh, she's, and here's the thing. She was, uh, let me show you, if you don't know the Incredibles movie, let's look at the next picture. This is the actual, see, I mean, basically the same. Basically the same thing. You can just leave that up there for a minute. Um, so um, <laughs> Ellie was so excited about dressing up as Violet for Halloween. For weeks leading up to Halloween, you could not call her Ellie. You got kids who ever did that? You're like, Ellie, it's time for lunch. She says, I'm not Ellie. I'm Violet. <laughs> and we're like, okay, Violet, just let's go. Because at some point you just give in because there's, there's priorities. She is, here's the thing. When you're three years old, it's fun to pretend that you're a cartoon character. But as you get older, identity is hard. And it's important for us to kind of have a better idea of who we are than that. You can't just change identities every now and then because you've got a favorite cartoon character uh, back and forth. And so I brought that story up because I, I think that as we become adults, it gets to this point where we haven't quite figured ourselves out yet. But we're expected to. And you go to work and something happens and you're just supposed to know how you feel about it. Or if you're a parent or a spouse, you're dealing with a neighbor and something goes down and you don't know how to deal with it, but you're just supposed to know how. At some point, there was supposed to be a lesson on identity and and identity is a buzzword in a lot of different categories right now in our culture. Because when it comes to how I see myself, who am I? It can be difficult and sometimes we might feel a little bit like a kid dressing up for Halloween. I go to work and I'm a grown-up today. Go to the bank and, oh, I'm doing bank stuff. <laughs> you know, your neighbor has an issue and you got to deal with it. Or you, you come up with some crazy um, scenario. Maybe it's a, a traumatic situation or whatever. You come to the scenario and you just have to deal with it. Wouldn't it be helpful if we could kind of know our identity? How do I see myself? Am I successful? Am I loved? Do I matter? Am I important? You know, psychologists say that our identity is formed by repeated messages that we hear early and often. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Repeated messages that we hear early and often. There's a lot of things that happen to form our identity, but a lot of it happens young in our life, and then it continues to happen if you hear things over and over and over again. And this is what this looks like early. Let's talk about early first. Early. Like when you're a kid and everyone tells you that you're a good singer. You're such a good singer. You got a good singing voice. Sing me, sing me a song. And then like you grow up and what do you think about yourself? Tell me. I'm a good singer. And then these poor people get on American Idol and they find out that they're not good singers. But then they, they, they yell at the, the judges. They're like, yes, I am. My mama said I'm a good singer. Because that, it is so ingrained in them that they're a good singer. And maybe they are a good singer. And the cool thing is uh, you internalize that. It shapes how you see yourself. And then this third thing is huge. It shapes what you're willing to do with your life. 
Someone who was told that they were smart, someone who was told that they are uh, you know, a good problem solver, someone who was told that they're athletic, they're going to pursue different things because they have the confidence to do it. And they actually believe about themselves. But this, let's go, like, that's, that's, that's just, the opposite is true. If, if you're told your whole life that you're dumb, that you're, uh, maybe you're ugly or you're overweight, or maybe that you're scrawny or that you, uh, I mean, it broke my heart. I heard a story this week about a friend who had been told their whole life by their parents that, like, you were an accident and we didn't want you. And, like, that was not a joke. It was like, we just, and so this person is an adult, and they're still having to work through, like, life and figure out, do I matter? And you know what? If you hear that enough, you internalize it, and you believe it. And you say, I am ugly. I am stupid. I don't matter. And it shapes who you are internally, and it shapes your identity, and it shapes what you're willing to do with your life. And so that's the early factor. The often factor is just as true, but the often factor continues as you grow up so if you're rejected enough times you begin to see yourself as unworthy i'm not acceptable because i keep getting rejected i keep applying for these jobs and they just don't happen for me or uh if if, if, uh you lose enough times you see yourself as a loser you're financially strapped long enough you just see yourself as poor i can't raise above this and there's positive swings to all that too you have success enough times, you see yourself as successful. I mean, this is just basic psychology. I'm not a psychologist, but I know people, and I know myself. And we see it in life. You get it because you've lived it. But it's important for us to say it out loud. Before we move on, I just got to ask you to evaluate something. What messages have you heard early and often? What repeated messages are on play in your mind? And they're shaping who you are and what you're willing to do with your life. And for some of us, we've had great messages playing on repeat. And for some of us, not so much. But when it comes to you and your family, we can't talk about how to be a good mom or dad, how to be a good spouse, how to manage my finances, how to manage my time, how to manage my neighbors and stuff like that. We can't talk about any of that until we start working on what's going on in here. We've got to manage our identity. That's why this is the first week of Family Matters. God's message for you is this. Regardless of what other people have told you, early or often, regardless of what you think about yourself, I gave you life. I give you identity. I created you in my image. I've given everything to redeem you. Find your identity in me, in Christ, in him. Nine times in that one sentence that we just read. So what I want to do now is in the time we got left is look back at Ephesians chapter 1 and break that down. Because we've read a big chunk and I, if you're like me, you're like, I heard that but I didn't really hear it. We're going to break it down and I think that there are some truths that we need to push play on in our minds that will help to reshape our identity. Remember, identity is shaped by what you hear often, okay? So do not expect that you'll leave here today feeling different, hopefully a little bit different, but you're going to have to press play on this by reading God's word often and by spending time with believers often and staying involved in your church family and all these things because you got to hear this often. But here are three truths that we can push play on based on our passage we just read. The first truth is this. The first truth is that you are wanted by God. I don't care what anyone else has told you. Don't let it go to your head. But the creator of the universe is kind of into you. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 4 and 5 now. It says, For he chose us, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I love this qualifier. In love, 
he predestined us for adoption to sonship or daughtership, as the case may be, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. He deliberately created you to be chosen. You are wanted by God. You want to talk about identity? Wow. God wants you. He cares about you. And it's not like I want, like I choose you the way I might go to the kitchen. I'm trying to make a sandwich. I go to the little bread bag and I pull, you know, I stick my hand in there. And the only thing left is those butts of the bread that nobody wants. And I'm like, okay, I choose you. <laughs> You're all that's left. Put some peanut butter on that thing. That's not how good God chose you. Before the creation of the world, he deliberately chose to create you. And he gives you purpose. And he gives you meaning. And God's actions speak louder than his words. I'll give you one example. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 is one of my favorite passages. It says that God shows his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's really easy for me to think my little niece Ellie who's three years old or some of the babies that are in the room. It's like, oh, of course God chose them. They're good. They're sweet. No, even after you messed up, God had a plan for you. That even while we were still sinners, lost in our brokenness, God's like, I got a plan for that because that's my child. I love them and I want them to come back to me. You're wanted by God. Press play on that. Let it repeat. Shut out all the noise that other things have been telling you in your life. This is your identity given to you by your creator. The second truth that we need to hit play on this. You are redeemed by Jesus. Now, when you hear the word redeemed, you're like, that's not an identity word. Redeemed is actually a financial word. Like I had a debt and I went to the bank and I paid it off. I had a coupon. They redeemed my coupon. Gave me a discount. Uh, let's read our passage because it totally has to do with our, our identity. We are redeemed by Jesus. Ephesians 1, 7 through 8. It says, in him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. That's the qualifier. for What is redemption? Redemption is the forgiveness of our sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. That he lavishes on us with all wisdom and understanding. So much of our identity is tied up in our brokenness. Think about that. Even when people give you praise and accolades, you know that you're not perfect. Even when you do a really good job on something, you know the mistakes you made along the way. You also know that you have a lack of self-control. And you see yourself that way. You also know that you are an addict. You've got an addiction. And no matter what I do, I can't overcome it. You know that you've got a temper problem. You've got anger issues. You know that you have a failed marriage because of sin in your past. You know maybe you've hurt other people. And maybe you can put on the good costume and nobody else knows that. But you know it and it impacts how you see yourself. And that's why it's important for us to know. When it comes to your identity, you are redeemed by Jesus. No matter your brokenness, no matter your past, no matter your failures. And those things are true about you and me and me, all of us. We're busted. But God comes in and says, listen, I know that you're busted. I paid the price for that. And when that happens, there's this beautiful picture of us getting like a clean slate, a fresh start. We're called a new creation. And we're told in scripture that God's mercies are new every morning. 
So yeah, you messed up again yesterday. You might have messed up this morning. Okay. Pick yourself back up. Go to the Father and say, I'm still here trying. And he's like, good. Because I laid down my life for you. And we'll cover a lot of your sin. All of it, in fact. Have faith. If you might be in a place in your life where you've never become a Christian, like you're just like, well, I mean, I, I go to church. You're all here, or you're watching online. You're like, I go to church. Um, like going to church, being a Christian is not like joining a social club where you get like a card and you're good as long as you pay your dues. Like it's not being a member at Costco or Sam's Club. Be- being a Christian is about submitting to the lordship of Jesus and saying, you get to guide my life from now on. And it's a moment in your life where you decide, I'm going to do this. Uh, there are some beautiful pictures that happen in that. We are obedient to Christ in, in baptism, for example. We're told in Scripture that at baptism, we're given this beautiful gift that we're going to talk about in just a second. We're told that we, we kind of come into contact with the forgiveness of our sins. And there's also this faith element. There's God that says God is rich in grace and he lavishes his grace on us. There's a moment somewhere in the ether where that happens, where you kind of make a decision. And then that moment continues for the rest of your life. It's called repentance. It's you're constantly going back to God and saying, you know, lead me again, lead me again, lead me again. I want to follow you. I messed up, but I'm back. So there's this whole like lifestyle process that happens. And when you are in Christ, he says, I have redeemed you. And maybe you're in a boat in your life where you haven't done that. You haven't made that. Um, don't take for granted that just because you maybe have attended a church service a couple times or your grandma owned a Bible and you identify as Christian. Um, no, it's about lordship. It's about bowing down before the Father. And so maybe today that's a decision you can make. Um, maybe you just want to think about it some more. I want to invite you to come back every week. Come back one more week at least. Just continue to hear. In a little while, we're going to have some of our leaders at the back that you can just go talk to and pray with. And maybe, maybe you can make that decision today. And maybe you can, uh, leaders right now, remember to go do that in case I don't ask you later. But go back there. Um, and maybe you can make that decision today and we, we can set up time for you to be baptized today we'll find somewhere warm or you can do it in the cold ocean it won't be the first time i've been in the ocean in november baptizing somebody um you are redeemed you are wanted you are redeemed third truth we need to hit play on when you are in christ you are secure let me explain that um one of the hardest things when it comes to our identity is when we have a bad relationship with somebody like uh you ever been in a fight with your spouse and you're just later, you're like, I don't know where we stand right now. Or maybe there's a falling out in your family. There's an uncle or an aunt or a sibling or your parents. And you're like, man, we're just kind of at odds right now. I don't know where we stand right now. There's a lack of security. And when our relational security breaks down, it's like someone yanked the rug out from underneath us. And you're just like, oh. especially when it's a really important relationship to us. And God wants us to know, like, listen, ain't nobody yanking this rug out from underneath you. You are secure in me. When you come to me and I redeem you, I got you. I got you. One of the greatest gifts that God offers us is the security of his presence in our life. I love what it says. We're going to still be in Ephesians chapter 1. Fast forward all the way to verse 13. It says, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance? You hear that? You were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of all those who are God's possession 
to the praise of his glory. Security is all the rage these days. Like, how many passwords do we need? I'm, I'm, I'm out of passwords. My phone told me the other day, they're like, we recommend you change all these passwords because it seems that you're using the same password for everything. I'm like, of course I am. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I can't, I don't have enough passwords. And they're like, this is insecure. I'm like, take my money. I don't know what else to do. This is just, this is all I know how to do, okay? Don't make me change my password again, Apple. If you're watching, I'm talking to you. All right. Like, you know, you keep on having to change your password. Because security, could, why? Because we, we're terrified of someone getting us. And God says, listen, okay, I understand that. Tell you what, let me give you a deposit. You had to pay a deposit on something? Down payment? Put a little piece of money down for an apartment or a car? What does that say? It says, I'm good for this. I'm good for this. I'm going to come back. I'm going to pay this off. It's the collateral. Uh, you know, I love it. The, the gym here, the Y, like boys want to check out basketballs, but they've got to trade something. So boys are like trading their cell phones and their watches for a basketball. Because the Y's like, we're going to need that basketball back. Leave us your iPhone and, uh, and we'll make sure to get that basketball back. God says, listen, and, and you know what he gives us? It's a deposit. What did it say? The seal of his Holy Spirit. I told you a minute ago that God gives us a gift when he redeems us. You know what it is? It's his very presence in our life. And the Holy Spirit is not just a piece of God. It's like, I mean, maybe it is. I don't understand exactly how the spiritual realm works. But the way I understand it is that it's, it's fully God's presence. But it's just in a format that you can handle. Like I've understood it is like, you know, you, you got like full strength Tylenol for adults, but then you got like baby Tylenol for babies. Still Tylenol, it's just a dose that you can manage. Like, I don't know if that's really the best way to understand the Holy Spirit, but that's kind of how I've been able to process it because God is in your life. And the beauty of God's Holy Spirit, he's called so many things, the Holy Spirit. He's called our comforter. You ever needed that? He's called our helper. He's called our teacher and our guide. He's called our advocate. This is God's presence in our life. And he said, you want to know what your identity is? It is secure in me. The rest of the world might fall around all, all around you. People are going to let you down. Your Roth IRA might plummet due to the stock market. But I will not fail you. Want me to prove it? I gave my life and I left you my spirit. And when we sit back and go, who am I? We can go, well, I don't know a lot, but I do know I'm secure. If you haven't chosen Jesus for your life, I'm telling you, it's totally worth it. And I hope that you will at least lean in some more, lean towards making that decision. This series is called Family Matters. Um, and family is about helping that individual, that identity, work together with a whole of people. And so if you haven't noticed how frustrating family can be, it's because we are all individuals we all have our own identities. So how do we f make that a little smoother? I've been trying to develop this new discipline as a, as a teacher here at the church and, uh, and create a culture where every single week I want to give you a tangible challenge to take home. And then we create a, an atmosphere, like a culture that says, yeah, we're all going to do this. Okay, we're just going to do this. And so this is the challenge I have for you this week. Let me set it up for you. But this is the challenge because on the one hand, we can look at that identity thing and we can be totally modern about it and be like, oh, it's all about me. It's all about me. Uh, my feelings, my identity, and how I see myself. And that's true. Like that psychology is important. But when it comes to family, it is not all about you. In fact, according to God's word, like you're the least important in your family. Everyone else you should put ahead of yourself. That's called humility. Okay? And so how do I translate that? How do I use this identity piece? One, continue to play, push play on those truths that we talked about. But two, um, this is my challenge for you. 
I want you to take some action. And this week, my challenge for you is to intentionally use your words, say words, with the members of your family. Now, your family looks different than someone else's family. You're going to have to figure out who that is. Intentionally use words with your family members to reinforce their identity in Christ. And we all got to do it because we need stronger families. They're the pillar of all society. That means uh, parents, I challenge you to take some time with your kids this week to do a Bible study with them or pray with them. And that's cool. Maybe you already do that. But intentionally use your words to build up their identity and maybe tell them, hey, God's got plans for your life. Hey, that skill you have, I think you could put that to work in God's kingdom. Forget about their college and their resume and their extracurriculars. That doesn't define them. Tell them who they are to their father, their heavenly father. Spouses, sit with your wife, your husband, and talk to them about their identity. Like it can be overt because some of you are sitting here together and you're like, well, Chris tells we how to do this thing, so let's do it. Or they might not be here with you. Maybe what you need to do is just encourage them and say, hey, you know what? God's giving you some skills. God's giving you some abilities. That's, that's impressive. I'm glad we got a good God. I mean, it can be as, as simple as that or it can be much more direct and much more specific. Or maybe you've got a family member, and again, it doesn't have to be like a related blood relative, like someone that you would consider in your family, and they don't live for Jesus. And they don't get what you're trying to get, you know? Uh, but maybe you have that person who's not following Jesus. Maybe you can use your words to just tell them that God loves them. Maybe they haven't really thought about it. Maybe you're working through somebody who, as a parent, it might be working through some discipline. It might be a coworker who's driving you crazy. And maybe you can let them know about God's grace. Not in a sarcastic way, like, good thing God's got grace for you. But in a real way, say, listen, it's okay. It's okay you messed up. Let's take it to God in prayer. Can I pray for you? And let's do better. That's the challenge. With your words, intentionally reinforce your family's identity in Christ this week. Um, and you can begin to rewrite the identity story for yourself and the people that you love. Now, this is just an introduction to the Family Matters series, and we're going to get into some more specifics. But to God, family matters. And as a church family, I love that we use that word for our church congregation. We're a family. We need each other. So don't feel like you've got to do it by yourself. Lean in on somebody. You matter to God. You've been redeemed by Jesus. And when you're in Christ, you're secure in him. Let's pray.